Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. We are continuing our series on singleness today with an episode that I am calling Single Unexpectedly. Today I'm talking to my dear friend Lori Lorig and we're going to be talking about entering a season of widowhood, especially a new season, just fresh into this. Um, Lori, welcome. Thanks, Amber. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I wish that we had a different topic to talk about, but I really appreciate your willingness to come on and share your experiences over the past year. It's really important. I'm happy to do so. Thank you. So tell us about how long you and Al were married. Almost 40 years. Yeah. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. And you were married kind of like really young, right? Yeah, I wasn't even legal to drink. I was only 20. Yeah, so you pretty much left your parents' house to enter marriage with Al, correct? I did. I went straight from mom and dad's. Uh, Well, I did go away to college for one year, but I went basically straight from mom and dad's to Al's house. Yeah, our house. So tell us a little bit about your life with Al. What did that look like? Well, you know, 40 years is a long time, and it was pretty amazing. We had a really great marriage. Um, We raised three kids together, Greg, Chris, and Katie, and they range in age from 30 to 38. Um, We were really best friends. I mean, we were each other's, I say he was half my brain, my left arm, you know. Uh, He knew my thoughts before I even had to say them. We could kind of read each other's minds a little bit. Um, when I was feeling down, he picked me up when he was feeling down, I picked him up. Um, just very much a, I don't know, we go hand in hand, you know, just like peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) I always say that between Steve and I, we almost make one good person. Like (laughs) that's good. Yes, absolutely. My deficits are things that he's really good at. He's super laid back and he's just good at embracing the moment and having fun with it. Whereas I'm more like schedule that moment. I can't, I can't have fun with it until it's scheduled, you know? So, so I'm, you know, stressed out and and on schedule and on time. And he's more of the calm down, Amber, let's just have fun and let's just be impromptu. And, and I just love how we complement each other, which is sort of what you and Al were like. Yeah. Al, Al would say, I could hear hear his voice, you know, we make a great team. He always loved it when we did things side by side. And I would be more like, why don't you do this part and I'll do that part? No, no, let's do it together. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it together. So yeah. So it's it's pretty hard when you lose your left arm or half your brain. Right. It is. And the truth is that you had absolutely no warning. So Al went to be with the Lord a year ago. He went to work he didn't return home. He he died very unexpectedly, which is exactly how my father-in-law died, which I always say is really, really wonderful for the one who goes to be with the Lord. Absolutely. I say Al got the fast pass to heaven, which, you know, we're Disney yeah. people. So the fast pass sounds really good uh, for the guy that gets to go. But the rest of us that are left behind, not so much. Yeah. What are some of the major adjustments that you found? Because your whole life, I mean, from the time that you, like you said, you weren't even legal to drink. From the time that you were so young, your whole life was built with this man. You built a family together. You you had a God-fearing man. You were in a church together. You did Bible studies together. 
What are some of those major adjustments that took place in those first weeks and months when you went from being married to suddenly not having your spouse with you? Oh, you might have to walk me through this, girl. Uh, I would tell you first was overwhelm, right? Like, oh my goodness, I cannot... I cannot be alone. I don't know how to be alone. Um, so the the shock that came with that and the overwhelm was just overwhelming. You know, you just, you don't even know how you're going to function in those moments. Um, I would say autopilot kicked in, you know, and I had my three kids to think about and how was I going to bring them through the process? What was I going to say? How was I going to tell them? Um, and that in and of itself was horrific, um, because I wasn't prepared. Um, we were going to host small group at our house that night and we had one person show up who happened to be an EMT, which was, you know, God's hand. Yes, absolutely. It It was God. And, you know, he literally, he carried me through, uh, God carried me through the whole thing step by step. And Gary was in the right place at the right time. And he was there because Al had invited him. We were doing a second small group Bible study, and he had invited two friends of ours who were a little apprehensive about the large group setting. And so we were doing this really intimate study, and the one lady had COVID. And so my good friend Gary shows up, and Al's not showing up. And we're like, what's happening? Um, So Gary gets me to the hospital, and I had called, and they had said, when I asked if it was um, serious, they said the worst kind of serious. So mm-hmm. I was somewhat overwhelmed on the ride in. Um, right. And then I knew when they took me into the room that I was going to have to figure out how to tell my daughter in Milwaukee, my son who was in the car driving back from Michigan, um, my son who was on his way because I had called him right away. And, and he was coming from Michigan. Hadn't you just spent the weekend together? All of yeah. you, you had all just been together. We God set us up so perfectly right. in terms of having had just a fabulous weekend together. Um, you know, we can go into that more later if you want or now, but I mean, it was, it was truly, I'll, I'll say this back up to Thursday the Thursday before this. So he died on a Wednesday. The Thursday before this, God brought me to this place, which I rarely do, where I just poured myself a drink and I went out and I sat in my backyard and I just sat there and appreciated my life. And it was just kind of strange in the sense that I just hit the pause button Mm -hmm. to talk to God, just say, thank you. Thank you for the amazing blessings, right? Right. And it was all about to change. Yeah. And he, there was, you know, there was no way to know that. But that peace feeling that came over me at that point in time, be still, right? Right. It was good. It was good. And so then we went to a wedding on Friday Mm-hmm. Went so Memorial Day weekend, went and spent the rest of the weekend with my kids. Yes. Um, all of us together, we've got pictures galore from that weekend. Like, why was everybody so camera crazy? We have no idea. Um, 
one of our last meals with all of us together. We've got a photo of that, you know. I and remember was, you saying, take the pictures, Amber, take the pictures. Like, absolutely. Don't ever not take the pictures because those are such cherished memories now. Absolutely. You know, so I don't know. What was the original question? <laughs> No. You said, pretend we're in the living room. And I'm like, yes, here we are. No, no, what was the question? About the, the initial weeks and days and weeks and how changing from being with somebody. I imagine there was a long time of, because I remember going through this with my father-in-law. Very, I mean, in fact, you're bringing up so many of these emotions that we had. Um, yes. But I remember so many times <laughs> thinking that he was going to walk through the door you know, in those first weeks and months, like it just seemed surreal. Like this is right. not, this is not our story. He's going to come back. This is just a crazy nightmare. This is, you know, did you deal with some of that? Oh yeah. Every single morning I still do. I wake up and I think it was a bad dream. Right. He's but here. it wasn't. Yeah. 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 And so you just kind of walk through it. Um, God helps you put one foot in front of the other and right. you take the steps little by little. But in regard to those first few weeks, I mean, the the financials were the first thing that went through my head. So Al was the CFO of a worldwide engineering company. Um, and I was blessed to be a stay-at-home mom for a lot of years and then kind of went into um, doing some church work and, and being a consultant, but I never had to worry about the money side of things. Al always did. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned we were at the lake, so we owned two homes. Um, and suddenly, um, how, how am I going to keep paying for all this stuff? And right. what's this going to look like? So the whole financial side um, was was scary to me, even though we had talked about, Al would always say, oh, don't worry about that. You'll be fine. And I'd be like, what does fine mean? I was just <laughs> going to say that. Steve, what does fine mean? You and I oftentimes have very different definitions of fine. Define Absolutely. Fine. Right? Yes. So um, we, and I know we're on a Christian broadcast, right? But we often would talk, we had good friends that we travel with all the time. And um, we, I had this run friend, Terry and Regan, and the, the joke was Terry and I would go out and buy a lake house if something happened to Al. So <laughs> that was long before we ever actually owned a lake house. But he's like, yeah, no, I don't know if I'm going to tell you exactly how fine you will be. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you going out and buying a lake house. I, right. just spent, I just spent Saturday night with my whole family. We went to celebrate a birthday and Father's Day. And my son, who is going to be 21 and getting married in two months, I cannot believe how often he says, probably fine. And I'm like, it's it's almost laughable how much, because I'm like, I think the bearing is going out on my wheel. You know, do you want to listen to that? He's like, mom, it's probably fine. I'm like, yeah, see, I do a lot of driving. It's probably like probably not fine. And Those so, two words don't go together, do they, Amber? <laughs> not for some women. Yes. Yes. No, but okay. I think that that financial thing is a very important thing because not everybody, not every relationship is this way. Sometimes the women take care of the finances, but a lot of times the men take care of the finances. And, and let's make it clear, Al was still working. I mean, you guys weren't even th talking retire. I mean, like this had not come up. This has not been something you had prepared for. 
Well, let me let me say this. He he had things like a pension and profit sharing, and I didn't really know those numbers. I hadn't seen anything really concrete maybe 10 years before that. We had talked about it and we had had it out and discussed it. Um, but recently I had not. You know, mm-hmm. I knew that we were moving in that direction towards talking more about retirement. But we did not have a financial planner at that part in time. And by the way, I did pay all the bills. There was always money there from his paycheck for me to pay all the bills. So I knew that side of it. I just didn't know the long term, what will the income be? And things like Social Security and will I be able to collect Social Security? Should I collect Social Security? Um, And so within that first I think it was within the first two weeks, we had an attorney and a financial advisor at our house just saying, hey, can you help us understand mm-hmm. some of this? Um, because it was well over my head, and yet I knew I needed somebody smarter than me. You know, yeah. And as somebody who says, surround yourself with other people smarter than you, I took my own advice. <laughs> I know. And that's actually really, that's great advice too. Now, that was sort of the first couple of days and weeks, within two weeks, you had that, you were trying to figure out finances and how this was all going to work. What are some things that are still hard a year later? You have gone through an entire year now, and you're still transitioning to this role. Oh, yeah. Of being a widow. So what are some things that you're honestly struggling with? You said when you wake up every morning, you're like, yeah, what are those things? Yep. So certainly the loneliness and the quietness. My dog doesn't talk back to me. She kind of gives me this little, you know, and that's about as far as it goes. But I mean, Al and I bounced ideas off of each other all the time. Um, And so that's gone. And I, I would say the loneliness of losing his friends and his work people as well. So he'd come home and talk to me about people at work all the time. Oh, here's what's going on with this person. Here's what's going on with that person. And I suddenly didn't have any of that input. You know, Jeff, who works with him um, and close, and they're having babies and, you know, that season of life. And suddenly that's just kind of cut off. Um, that was That was a big shift for me is just not only did we, you know, care about so many other people together. It was almost like a portion of those people were ripped from my life with Al. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. Me neither until it happened. And then, you know, and even like he's got some really great golf buddies that he would always golf with. And so I always knew what was going on in all of their lives, you know, and those guys all showed up. They were all there in the beginning. Um, but then their lives go on, you know, right. and, and that's the thing I think that's the hardest for a widow to adjust to is there's a lot of attention and a lot of people show up in the beginning, yeah. but then most of those people move on and mm-hmm. they get back to living their life. And you have just entered this journey yeah. of grief and it, it it's not a destination, you know, and if it becomes a destination, I say seek help because you don't want to get stuck yeah. in it. But it it is a daily process and there's different triggers and it comes in waves. You might be great and then you might be a hot mess the next day, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And I've learned to just let the tears come yeah. when they come and be okay with that and let people see you cry and let people see you fall apart because that's real and it's emotion. And if I didn't cry, well, I shouldn't say that. I I would say the tears are my response to how much I loved him. Yeah. You know, if I didn't love him, I don't think I would cry um, like I do. And so- it's just about the depth of love and the depth of grief. And yet it's not the same way for everybody. And there's mm-hmm. there's no judgment in that. You know, everybody's going to do the process their own way. Yeah. I kind of started laughing a little bit because I thought you and I, <laughs> no one has to guess what we're thinking. When we're happy, we are laughing. And when we are sad, we are crying. I mean, that's just that's just the way we are wired to just, we have our emotions on our sleeves. So yeah. You know, when we're sad and when we're together, we're crying and we're laughing and we're angry. People probably times. think we're nuts because we're having so much of a emotional roller coaster, but you know, having fun and feeling the feels. Yes. You yes. know, yes. I think feeling the feel, feels are important. And I'll be honest, I said at church for a lot of years, I felt like we would go to church and kind of put the mask on yeah. and we wouldn't be real. We wouldn't be transparent enough to let our hearts hurt with the people that are our spiritual family, right? The people that we're supposed to be um, depending on and relying on. And so that that mask, I was very much about, watch me take off the mask, guys. Let me show you what this looks like. So the night that Al passed, the Bible study that we were supposed to be doing was on the older man and the older woman training the younger man and the younger woman, right? Yeah. And Al died on Wednesday night, and I went to church on Sunday, and the funeral wasn't till the following Tuesday? That's what I'm going to say. Tuesday. <laughs> it's just a blur. It's just a blur. I know. But you know, when I showed up in church, I sat in the back pew, I showed up late, and our pastor's wife was sitting there. She just grabbed my hand and squeezed my hand. Yep. And her husband's up in the front, and they're going to pray for us and our family. And he's looking at me, and he's all choked up the fact that I'm there, you know? And I'm like, yep. this is where I need to be, Right. you know? And I wasn't ready for the rush of attention and yeah. and all of that, but the two of them were gems in the moment. And so I came in, I worshiped, I sang, and I left, you know. Lori, I remember you coming to a conference that I was attending six weeks after Al died. (laughs) And you, I mean, just all of our friends, thank God we were all there and we were able to see you, but you bravely just sat with us and cried and talked and said, this is where I'm at. And you let us come into that with you, which was so important because we had been together, our little friend group had been together in the end of March. We had gotten together and had a little overnight and and really talked and gotten close. And then just, I mean, just a few months later, this happened. And then there you were and you showed up at that conference when nobody really expected you to necessarily show up and be on and but there you were and you led us into your life which 
you know, you said you decided to take the mask off. You could, yeah. you could pretend that, oh, it's all good. Or you could just not show up and not let people see, but you were real and you just, this is where I'm at. And here I am. Yeah. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. It was just Lori doing Lori, you know, and I, I've been a very transparent person most of my life. Um, and I, I just felt like for women, especially mm-hmm. that, that we need to give ourselves permission in the hard stuff, you know, permission to not have to always be the strong one, you know, and, and to let other people encourage you and support you when things get hard. Um, because I need people. I believe we all need people, right? And our society has become less and less about people and relationships and that's really the way God designed us to be, is to be that community that supports one another and encourages one another. And of course, the most important relationship is with Christ himself, you know, that we're going to our Heavenly Father, you know, and we're taking and laying it all at the foot of the cross when we doubt God. Because trust me, when I say I've talked to God a lot, and we've had some conversations about God, this wasn't my plan. You know, what What were you thinking? And yeah. he said, you're right, Lori, this wasn't your plan. This yeah. was my plan. You know, I remember telling you at that conference six weeks later, when we were talking about that, I remember you telling, uh, telling you that God had big shoulders and he can handle all your questions, all your doubts, anything you have, you can go ahead and throw it to him because he says, cast all your anxiety on me. Anything you have to give him, He's your loving father. And just as you sometimes go to your dad, like, dad, why did you do that? Why would you allow that? Or why wouldn't you let me go? Or why, 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 why? Our heavenly father has big shoulders and he's, he's okay with our questions and our doubts and our anger and our fear and all that we have. Yeah. I'm going to say that there, there has been a quiet anger for me even though sometimes I thought I just wanted to yell at him, you know, like this wasn't part of how this was supposed to go. You know, it just wasn't. And God says, but I had those plans laid before you were ever born, kiddo. You just got to buck up buttercup because I'm, I'm still in charge and you're going to be okay. And I'm going to walk alongside you. Actually, I'm going to carry you through this. You know, I'm not going to walk alongside you. If you think you could sit down, stand up and walk a couple steps, that'd be good. But (laughs) I'll carry you, you know. Um, And he doesn't get tired of doing that for us, which is such a beautiful thing, you know. So statistically speaking, the majority of women are going to end up as widows. And they're going to find themselves in the same situation. So what are some of the things that you would tell women right now that they can do to prepare prepare for a time that they no longer have their spouse to rely on? Well, the first thing I would tell every woman out there is if you and your husband don't have a will, get a will. Because you'd be amazed at how difficult some things are just in terms of working through the legal stuff. My husband had bought me a new car less than a month beforehand. And this is, I'm going to sound really spoiled. I'm sorry. Um, But I didn't want to go pick out a new car. 
I hate the car dealership. And he went and he did it for me. And he put it in his name. And we didn't think that was a big deal, right? No, of course not. No. Can I tell you, it took me six months to get it turned over into my name and the technology and the legal stuff and, you know, send this document, send that document. We need a copy of the will on this page. We need this on that page. It was it was overwhelming. And I maybe said that I didn't think that they were too helpful for a widow <laughs> in the process, right? It was It was really difficult. And I tried to go into the dealership. So number one, make sure you get your will in order. Understand what your financials are long-term. It'll just give you a little bit um, of peace of mind. And then thank goodness my husband's phone came home with him because he had a tremendous amount of contacts that we used for our household stuff, particularly our Michigan house all in his phone. Like, this is the company we use for this, and this is the company we use for that. I would not have come up with those names. No. So, you know, documenting and making sure that you have some of those primary things in order, um, just from a planning perspective, is a really beautiful thing. Um, Did you have uh, Al's password for his phone? Because I'm thinking Steve's phone, I've never asked him his password. Right? Great question. I I don't think Al had a password on his phone. That'll show you how old he was. Um, but he didn't he didn't have a password on his phone. Okay. Um, but he did have all of our personal emails went to his business account. So then I wasn't getting any so all of our personal stuff had to be filtered through his oh, office man. then in order for it to come to me. So like the true green bill that, you know, was going to his office account. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't coming, coming to me. And he worked for the company for 35 years. So probably some of those things would not be allowed in some settings, but it was because of who he was and the position that he had. Right. And so, all of that, all those passwords, you know, and if you're paying stuff online, that's a whole nother level of information that a previous generation didn't have to deal with. My mom used to say, everything will come through the mail eventually. <laughs> and I'm like, not so much anymore. Not so much, you know. So those are the kinds yeah. of things, you know, just being aware. Um, and we always thought we'd get to it someday. But right. those those things in that situation, just from the financial side, um, and then you know having conversations like Al absolutely hated any kind of surgery, um, mm -hmm. and they came immediately within the next twenty four hours to ask me if he wanted if he wanted his organs donated, yeah. and we we hadn't had that conversation. I'd had the conversation from my way. You know, right. I said, hey, Al, I marked this on my driver's license. You should know this. But he didn't. He didn't tell me that. And it wasn't. Um, and so in the midst of it, all I could think of was he hates to be cut. And I knew he was dead. But I just, you know, yeah. it was preliminary conversations that we didn't have that maybe yeah. we should have. Um, and even like his favorite Bible verse, you know, Um we we jokingly went through Lori's Bible is marked up and it's written all over. Yeah, Al Al rarely had a mark in his Bible. Same but with the, Steve. 
One thing that he marked was to live as Christ, to die as gain. Oh. And so that's what we used for his funeral. And I, I was so grateful that that was underlined because I thought it was the perfect example for yeah. someone who, you know, he served as school board president and on the school board, on the church council, the treasurer, and, and just did so many things. He really believed that. Yeah. Um, and and it was the perfect verse. So just maybe have some of those conversations, you know, when you have opportunity. What about, this is something that I've been um, much more determined to do just in the last couple of years and even with you and some of my other friends, but what about the idea of keeping girlfriends, you know, keeping your relationship with girlfriends up? Because, you know, it's really easy to put all our time into our families, which it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I love I love spending time with my children and with Steve, but I have found such significance in just taking time away and hanging out with all of you and pouring into each other. And then when your spouse, if your spouse is gone, you have these wonderful, strong relationships to sort of lean back on. Yeah. I would tell you even that can change. Okay. So, to me. you know, a lot of my friends who still have their husbands suddenly felt guilty. Oh, Lori. You know, and kind of didn't know what to say. Um, and they were fabulous. I mean, they they did. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they showed up. But the, the women who really rose to the occasion in my life were women who had been in my shoes. So my friend Sue and Shelly and Gail, you know, they all had gone before me and they were the ones that said, let's go for dinner. I'll meet you for lunch. Let's That's take beautiful. a trip. You know, and it and it is because only someone who has experienced it yes. is really credible. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, for all those women out there who haven't lost a spouse, you know, to say, oh, I know what you're going through. You know, those of us who have want to grab you and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know, and it's not meant from their perspective in in a bad way, you know, because maybe they've lost a parent or whatever. But because everybody's journey is different, those are probably some of the hardest things to hear. And you almost dismiss people when they say that. I mean, that sounds terrible again, but it's you're not you're not credible in this moment, you know, and those girls who, those girls, those women who are my age and older, right. You know, that kind of walk alongside of you in the moment are fabulous as are friends that aren't just necessarily your couple friends, you know? So when you talk about us girlfriends, right, none of us were connected because of our relationships with our spouses, right? They were girlfriends that were just Girlfriends. Ministry. We just yes. met with ministry. Absolutely. One of the lines that you have told me many times, which is, I, I can hear you saying it right now. Um, you would be describing something to me and I say, I can't under, I can't imagine. And you say, don't try to imagine. You don't want to imagine. Just, it's okay, Amber. I know you don't understand what I'm going through. Just don't try because... Yeah, it it it's hard and it hurts, you know. Don't yeah. try to imagine because I don't want you to experience that hurt before it's right. your time to experience that hurt. 
you know, and can I also say that with the hurt comes the joy, you know, and the, and the gratitude and what you're able to look back on and reflect, um, when we were putting all the pictures together for the picture boards for the wake and the funeral, I said to my kids, it was just the three of them and me, and and I, we're looking at all these pictures. And I said, you know, we really had a wonderful life. Yes. And Greg said to me, my oldest, he said, mom, we have a wonderful life and yeah. dad is in heaven. You know, it's not any better. And I've said, he's gone ahead to paradise. I mean, he's like on the best vacation ever. How could I ever want him to come back, right? Or So he's just gone ahead. um, And we'll be together again someday. Not in the same way, but we will be together again someday. Um, And so when Greg said those few little words, you know, mom, we do have a wonderful life. He helped remind me. I didn't die and my purpose on this life in this world is not over yet. And so when you said you showed up, you know, I think about Paul's words, we press on, you know, we just keep working toward the goal that Christ has called us. And, um, I, I bought a little plaque for myself and it says small steps every day, you know, just little, uh, little bitty steps. It doesn't have to be giant leaps. And can and we so, be honest? Some days yeah. there were no steps, right? Yes, except maybe to the refrigerator. <laughs> Back to bed. I mean, let's be honest, Lori. There are some days that are just non-functioning yeah. days. Yeah. I, I would tell you that God gave me a tremendous amount of strength. And I think the way I processed grief was running and doing. You know, it wasn't... Mm-hmm crawling in bed and pulling covers over my head, which some days I say, why didn't I do that? You could have gotten away with that then. Now I don't know if you can, you know, but I mean, everybody processes again differently and keeping myself busy, keeping myself surrounded with people was really important for me because I don't like being alone. Yeah. You know, that's, that's hard space for me. And then I do talk to God, you know, um, I, giggled when I was thinking about this. I'm like, do I dare tell people that I've talked more out loud to God now than I ever have in my life? Like he and I are having, yes, conversations, you know, but they're, but they're good. They're good. And his word, remember all those memory verses when we were a kid? Like they're all coming back to me. Like, you know, um, on my wall here, it says, be still and know. And Al bought that for me the Christmas before he went to heaven. And there it sits to remind me yeah. every day. He bought me uh, a cross bracelet that I don't have on today, but it's normally on my wrist to remind me, keep your eyes on Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. uh, don't get hung up on stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, so just know that when your kids are learning those Bible verses, they're going to come back to them someday. And it's just going to be a beautiful thing. It is right? a beautiful thing. So Lori, you said, you mentioned people saying the wrong thing. Do you, can you think of, you know, off the cuff, some of those things that maybe we should not say when approaching a widow? What are some of those things that kind of 
sting, hurt, or you just aren't ready to hear? Yeah, I th- I think the first one that comes to mind is that I I know how you feel when they haven't experienced it. That's that's the biggie. But the other one is you should you should do this. You should do that. Like somebody else trying to take control of your life and telling you what you should or shouldn't be doing. And that's a really hard one to swallow, you know, because they don't know enough of your story. Um, I think probably the best thing somebody can do is just show up and be with you. You don't have to say anything. You know, your presence means the world to me. And so many times we stick our foot in our mouth trying to find the right words when in fact the hug, the bring me a box of Kleenex, my friends that brought the boxes of Kleenex, they were treasures um, because they knew, you know, there were just tears. Yeah. And and that's okay because you're not processing anything really in those early days. You're just hurting. And like you said, the you should, there's so many factors involved. And even if you end up doing some of these things later on, you know, selling the lake house, doing whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, that is a something you have to get to in your own time, in your own way with your children and so many people that right. you don't need to hear you should, you know? Right. Yeah. So tell me some of the things that have sustained you during this year. The one and only. Right. I know. <laughs> the one and only. I mean, truly, um, my heavenly father and my earthly father. So my earthly father is yeah. 85. Um, he lost my mom and he also lost my brother. He lost his brother, his best friend. Um, so he modeled for me what grief looks like, sort of. Yeah. He was very quiet about it, very unlike his daughter. Um, but he just kept putting one foot in front of the other every day. And mm-hmm. um, and so he's also given me purpose. I call him at 9.30 in the morning and 6.30 in the evening. So I think he was checking on me more than I was checking on him during yeah. the past year. You know, um, he would hate that I tell you this right now, but he actually fell yesterday. At, we went out for Father's Day. Um, and we were at a local restaurant and the owner is a good friend. And she says, I'm calling Lori. And he said, don't you dare. You're going to worry her. And seriously, I can't not call her. I'm calling yeah. her, you know, and um, he's been very protective of me the last year, trying to insulate yeah. me. And he, I was with Greg and he said, tell Greg, I said, thanks for taking care of his mother, you know, so I can, I can just tell that there's right. He's feeling a lot of that ownership of is my only daughter going to be okay. So, yeah. So, and then my kids and most certainly my friends, I mean, all of those Al's friends, you know, they showed up in the early days and helped with everything. I mean, I, if I didn't, if I didn't have my earthly friends to carry me through, I think I would have been in a much different place. 
Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny that you had mentioned those widow friends that have stood beside you. My mother-in-law had the exact same situation. One of her dearest friends during their marriage became a widow three weeks after she did. And those two have held each other up through 18 years. I mean, just so. It's, it's not a sisterhood that you want to join, but once you join it, you know, it's a sisterhood. Yeah. you know, which is amazing because you need something. Well, I have a guy I use that's a painter and he's fairly reasonably priced. Okay. I need his name. Thank you. You know, I mean, yes, yes, yes. Good stuff. Okay. So looking back at your marriage and I know you guys had a great marriage. Is there anything that you would do differently that you can encourage those of us who are still married to do? Or is there anything that we could do thinking now to make the transition easier if and when it does happen? Yeah. You know, you, you kind of go, gosh, I wish I would have, right? Yeah. Um, I, I wish I would have appreciated him more in the everyday mm. moments, you yes. know? Um, he, he would consistently get up and make me coffee. Yes. I miss him every day because he doesn't make my coffee, you know? And did I remember to thank him every day for making my coffee? (sighs) Probably not, you know? Um, So just don't take him for granted um, would be a big part of what I would say. And then just being fully present when you are together. Um, Quit looking at your phone. Quit, you know, being distracted by other things. I I wish we would have still quote unquote, dated each other throughout our entire marriage, you know, where you were just all about each other. And we, when we would go to Michigan to our lake house, that was our escape. That was our retreat. So when we would get up there, it would be more like, oh, hi, who are you? I remember you, you know? Yes. Um, And, and I just, there's, you always think you're going to have time for that, you know? And that's probably my biggest, um, thing of, of regret. And, and yet I would tell you if he were here, he'd probably say, Lori, I loved watching you play with grandkids. And Lori, I loved, you know, that you made dinner for everybody and that it was wonderful. You know, you didn't have to stop and go for a boat ride with me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but just that. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned that you're a very social person and that you hate being alone. So how have you found ways to keep your social bucket full without, I mean, you can't wear friends out, right? And you're, you can only depend on your children so much. So how do you keep that social bucket full? Yeah. So for me, as much as I'm social, I do enjoy a little bit of downtime, but I found that planning is the key. You know, I, I try to plan. I've always planned. So this wasn't just in conjunction with losing Al, but you know, what's going to be my one fun thing that I go do this week? What's going to be, you know, when am I going to take a trip? Where am I going to go? So I have taken a step back. I I often would ask Al, what are we going to do in retirement? Let's start planning. Let's get this, you know, and we had purchased this lake house that was going to be where we were going to retire. But he would never say, yeah, let's go to Rome and I want to do this or I want to do that. Now, Lori, she's got the long the long list, right? But I said, God was so good to me in that 
and that he didn't let Al tell me all the things that we weren't going to be able to do. Right. Right. He just kind of helped me stay present in the moment. Um, and so my bucket list is still there. So I'm still checking off things on my bucket list. I'm going to Israel in October, right? So that that idea that I can still keep on living and still keep on doing what's on my list is important. Mm -hmm. So trips with my kids, time with my kids, holidays with friends and kids, um, but always making sure that I've got that one thing. And sometimes it might be, I have to have something like right now. So my friend Sue, call me anytime, day or night. You are feeling bad, call me. I will be fine. And God bless her because not too many people are up for that, right? right? Right. So I haven't called her in the middle of the night yet, but I know I've got somebody. And wouldn't that be beautiful if you could be that person for somebody else, you know? And that's my hope is that I get to pay it forward, you know, and think about who is that, you know, for, for me right now, it's my dad, you know, that I'm still doing it for the widower. Um, but it's, it is, it's a tremendous opportunity for us to serve people when we're going through all this. That's so, so like you too, because I just hear you saying, okay, now who can we bring up and bring alongside us? Now, if we're going to do this now, everybody think of one person who can you Right. Help who out could you encourage? Up? Yes. So yeah. can I ask, do you still want to retire at the lake? Or was that your dream with Al? Is that, I mean, does that change when he's no longer part of it? You know, I'm still trying to figure that part out. Yeah. You know, last yeah. year we got through it um, yeah. almost because we had to get through all the stuff last year. And one of the best pieces of advice that I had from lots of different sources was don't make any major decisions in your first year. Just give yourself permission, especially if you don't need to be in a hurry financially. Yeah, yeah. But um, some people, I got to get out of this house. I got to do whatever. And you don't have to do anything. You know, you can, you can take your time. And I'm trying to figure out if that is the space. Um, I'm not sure. The first words out of my kid's mouth was, mom, don't sell the lake house, you right, know? Right, right. So, I mean, I I also want to honor them in the process too. And so they enjoyed it this past weekend and I was home with a doggy that was lame. So, you know, they're they're also figuring it out and right. we'll, we'll see. I haven't figured out what God's got in store for me quite yet. Right. How has this last year changed your view of God and your relationship with God? Mm, Well, I mentioned that I'm talking to him more out loud (laughs) and outside, as crazy as that sounds. I, when Al died, I couldn't stay in the house. I, I, I don't know what it was, but I felt really drawn to nature and, and to being outside. Um, we went for a walk in the lake, you and I, and rode in Maryland last weekend, you know, and I couldn't wait to just take me by the water. You know, I'm I'm happy yes. when I'm outside. Um, and so I've spent a lot of time with him out there and just in, I, I would just call it open communication and like realizing that he's there, not just when I'm ready to pray, but he's there 
every step of the way, you know, and I got to tell you this. So in our bathroom, um, outside, we got a clear glass shower and on the wall over my tub was a sign that says a cord of three strands cannot be broken. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when Al and I were showering in the morning, that would be what we would be looking at. Within the first month of when Al died, I was in the shower and that thing fell down. (laughs) Oh, no. It fell off the wall, Amber. And I was like, okay, God, so I get it. It's just you and me now, okay? So That's why I laughed. I would be like, God, seriously. Really? You know, while I'm standing there, nonetheless, you know, looking at it, and I'm like... It has it it has been broken, God. There's one person who's not here anymore. And so I did my best. I drove to our favorite uh inexpensive home decor store. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate uh-huh. that very much. Yes. And I um I bought a sign that said, I can do all things through Christ who oh. gives me strength. And I hung it in the same spot. Perfect. So that's where my eyes are focused. And Again, the dependence on him has just grown exponentially. Um, I committed to reading through my Bible in the year, um, which I haven't done, uh, which I'm embarrassed to say that I've never read my Bible from cover to cover, but I'm working on it. Um, As much as I've studied scripture for years and years, it's never been the full read through. I'm kind of a haphazard girl. Now I want to go to the New Testament. All right, maybe (laughs) I'm ready for an Old Testament book. You know, um, so I've jumped around a lot. And so I'm I'm just kind of going back to that. Um, And then I've been asking God and trying to understand what does it mean to be faithful in this season? Um. What things are you putting on me, God? And what things am I putting on myself? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. So um, that, that's been a big one for me. It's just a little contemplation and leaning into, Lord, what would you have me do today? Yeah. That was not what would Lori Lorig have Lori do today? Like run, 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 so you can't think, so you can't get distracted right. and stay right. busy, you know. But just <sighs> yep. Okay, and God. one of the things that has become very clear to me over the last couple of years is that nothing comes into our lives without first going through the filter of God's love. So when we find ourselves in these tough times. And, mm-hmm. and you are very transparent about what you're going through, but I know that there's a lot of people listening right now who are going through a different kind of tough time, whether it's a prodigal child or, you know, whatever it is, loss of job, financial problems, whatever. Um, God isn't taken off guard in your prayer, Lord, how can I be faithful in this season right now? is a beautiful prayer for all of us to just be saying, God, you know what you're doing. I'm here right now. So just help me to be faithful to you and the people you've put in my life and show me what that means. Absolutely. You know, um, I think if I'm honest, one of the things that I've learned to do in this season is to give myself some grace. Yeah. Right. Um, 
sometimes I think my expectations are higher than God's. <laughs> Guilty. I, maybe, maybe not. Maybe yes. I don't know. But you know, um, yes. I, I would tell you that that that's been a big deal. And to prove to myself that I can do this, you know, I mean, and I, I just really in the last year have come to the realization that, you know, one person is not supposed to be able to do what two people did. Yep. And that's okay. You know, so my to-do list is never going to be empty anymore. Um, I don't know if it was empty before, but I feel like it was. Like, I feel like I could get close to the bottom and now it's always there, right? Well, and kudos so, to you because I just keep putting more on the bottom. So I know, never get to the bottom of my to-do list. Yeah, no. And I that the overwhelm that was starting to, you know, creep up here and I'm like, I'm drowning um, to say, hey, that one doesn't have to be on your list. Give yourself some grace and take that off the list um, mm-hmm. was was a big deal. And then just, you know, and you and I've talked about this, you know, watch, watch yourself talk. Right? Yeah. What are you saying to yourself and what are you letting the devil in to, you know, say to you so it's yeah. not God speaking into your life, but actually the devil and you know, I, and this might be making a jump here, but you know, I've, I, oh, poor Lori, you know, oh, I feel so bad for you. How are you? You know, no, not poor Lori. Lori, Lori is dearly loved daughter of the King. She is going to be okay. Right. God is upholding her. He's walking with her, carrying her, doing whatever it is day by day. And He's never leaving me. He's never forsaking me, right? He's he's there with me in all of it, and I can trust him with my whole heart. And so as I do that, you know, I'm very careful about who gets to speak into my life. Yep. Yep, that's beautiful, and that's, a, that's, that's important for all of us to remember. Yep, we've had some good conversations about that because I am very good at saying, oh, you know, silly things. Amber, you're so stupid. Amber, you're so whatever. And that is not from God. No, and absolutely so not. You and others have helped me become aware of, no, don't say that. And when you do think that, you immediately say that's not of God. So you take that thought captive and reject it and push it out. And that is, again, another huge lesson to just get through life, you know, to watch yourself talk. Yeah. I I, pulled in the wrong direction. And that goes no matter what season of life you're in. Right. You know, and I I think I may have shared this with you. It was one of those silly Facebook posts that somebody put, you know, our our idea of how our walk is supposed to be kind of like this instead of like this all the way through the roller coaster ride. And I'm like, God never said that this life was going to be easy. right? Right. In this world, you will have trouble. But do not fear. I, God, have overcome the world, right? So, yeah, just lean in. Lean in. Jesus is so good. Thank you for being transparent. And I love um, just your attitude of loving the Lord through this and just being willing to take off that mask and walk with all of us and let us learn from you and... um, 
I think when I saw you six weeks after Al died, you did as much for me as I did for you. Just you being real and just, and I remember laughing hysterically at different things. It was just- Keep your humor. And I know that you have done that for many, many people, Lori. I mean, I know you, I've been at so many places where you are speaking and I know you are constantly bringing everybody alongside you. So thank you for that. And thank you for what you're doing. And God bless you in this season, wherever God takes you. Thank you. I know that he will because he does all things well. So thank you for talking about the single life for widowed women, because I think it is a new season and it's something that we need. We need more women talking about and we need more women encouraging each other in the process. So thank you. Very good. You're welcome.